you all for joining us this morning. Uh, as I said, uh, Pastor Mark is on a much-needed vacation, so be in prayer for him. Uh, this morning, we're going to take a little different uh, topic than what Mark has been currently covering and kind of step out of his uh, sermon series. And so we're going to be a little bit all over the place, so uh, just uh, keep up with your Bibles there, and uh, we're going to have a good time this morning. The name of the sermon this morning is Stay on Course. And, and I think that if you didn't know, we, we started this last week, we started it back last week, but bulletins are now available. And so if you didn't get one, there's some back in the foyer, you can pick one up there and you can uh, follow along with your notes. Uh, I would say that over the past uh, couple weeks, uh, you know, people from Texas are always known for saying, like, if you, don't let, if you don't like the weather, like, just wait a minute, like, it'll change. Over the past few weeks, it's definitely been like that. I would imagine anybody that's lived here has definitely uh, sensed that, from uh, pipe bursting cold to wearing shorts to everything in between. We have experienced it pretty much all three weeks. The weather here changes all the time, except for summer. I mean, summer's, summer's just hot. I mean, there's just, there's just no break away from, from summer. Summer, when it comes, we know it's going to be hot, and we just kind of accept that. And the same goes for society, doesn't it? I mean, let, let's take, for instance, fashion. I am a fashion connoisseur. Not really, but we're just going to pretend that I am this morning. Uh, fashion, what, what's in style now? High-waisted jeans. I, uh, you know, like I see people walking around, I was like, man, I remember those like 30 years ago. I was like, they're back again. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I mean, my wife can go back in her closet and say, see, I still have these. No, not really. She doesn't have any that old. But, uh, but you can go back and, and you see these things, and these things come, come around. Before, not too long ago, it was low-rise jeans, now high-waisted jeans. Another thing that has changed in fashion, and, and just bear with me, because these things, like I haven't understood, they've been out for a while, but I, I just don't get it, is these long-sleeve shirts that have a button like halfway like up the sleeve, and the first time, like, I rolled up one of those sleeves, like, there's, like, this little, like, like, tag that comes out, and then you can fold it up and, like, button up your tag. And, and, and I'm sitting there, and I look at that, and I wonder to myself, I was like, is, is this a case of an emergency? I mean, like, do you roll up your sleeve, and then you got to lock it in place? Like, like, was the safety police out, and they noticed that something was wrong when somebody rolled up their sleeve and said, we've got to fix this problem? We're now going to put in some locking mechanisms into our sleeves so in case there is an emergency, there is no problem with our sleeves rolling down. I can imagine like everybody's going crazy in the crowd because of some, some chaos and some guy's walking through calmness like, how are you so calm? My sleeves are locked. <laughs> I have no problem. You know, I mean, and maybe that's the, uh, that's the thing. I can't quite get behind that one, but hey. Things change, right? And we just got to change along with them. You know, in society, other things change. Like what was good to eat is not good to eat anymore. Eggs, man, eat eggs. Eat all the eggs that you want to. Now you can eat eggs, but you can't eat the yellows. You got to eat, just eat the white. And I, and I don't get it. I'll just, just cut them out all together if you're going to cut that part out. But, you know, what was good wasn't good. Butter was good for you. Then it was margin. Well, now butter's good for you again. Butter, you know, makes your blood flow easier in your veins, man, in, in, in your arteries, man, isn't that something? And that's what they used to tell you. I'm not, I'm not saying go out and eat butter. But that's what they used to tell you. And so there's all these things that used to be good for you. I mean, back in the early 20s, it was good to have your feet x-rayed 
by a machine so you can see if your shoes fit good. The only thing that they didn't tell you was that the x-ray machine emitted radiation and radiated everybody around them. That was bad. So there are some things that we are definitely good and that are definitely good at saying that we don't need these things anymore. Now, I say all these things because society changes. What's good, what's bad, how we do things, how things should be done, how things shouldn't be done. It's always changing. But how we should live the Christian life never changes at all. Society can sit there and have committees upon committees and safety councils about what's good and what's bad for you, and they can determine all these things and put out all these posts and put all these, all, out all these publications, and they can tell you all these things. There are no committees to put together for living the Christian life because there is one thing that we look to for living the Christian life, and that is God himself. In 1 Peter 1.15, Peter says, But as the one who called you is holy, you are to be holy in all you conduct. Society will try to tell us what's right and what's wrong, but it is God who really determines what is right and what is wrong. Now, there are things in society that we should do because we are part of society and we need to be good stewards of what we do and we need to be good people in society. But when those things come into contradiction of what God's Word says, God's Word takes precedence. It is God's Word that, that determines it. In society today, it seems like whoever is the loudest gets to have the word on what's right. Whoever gets to boast the most gets to have the word on what's right. Whoever can have the most followers gets to say what is right. Whoever can get the most views can say what is right. These are the ways that things get done in society today, and it is absolutely crazy. You know, people follow other people to see what they do to see what they need to do. You know, like people... Like, find out who, who posts the most, who has the most followers, who has the most viewers, who has the most money, who has the most fame. If we follow these people, then we can have what they have. And we, and we seek after these people, and we look after these people to please tell us. Turn on the news this week, and, and I mean, there, there is all this conversation about this certain couple, about an interview that they had. And, and, and it's like mainstream news. And the couple has absolutely no influence over what we do on a daily basis. But for some reason, people think it's mainstream news, that it's important. And it has absolutely nothing to do with us, the safety of us, how we live or anything like that. But it's, con but it's considered news. Why? Because people, like they're seeking that type of attention. Like they're seeking to follow that type of people. And when I say, like, following people of the world, it also comes for following other predominant, you know, quote, Christians as well. There are, there are some big names out there within the, the Christian realm, and, 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 we, and we follow them, and we seek after them. Man, we hang on their every word. Like, what do they say about this verse? Like, what are they, like, what are they seeing? Like, what are they doing? Man, like, we need to be like them, and we need to be very careful in the Christian life, when we start looking towards people instead of God first. Now, you're sitting there going, well, I'm looking at you, George. You're up there, and listen to what you got to say. Please take everything that I got to say and compare it to God's Word and go to God first and say, does this line up with what you're showing me? Please, you do that. Don't just take what I say uh, 
for the truth. I mean, find out for yourself. Get in God's word. Say, man, this, does this line up? Yes or no? That's what we need to do with everything from society. This, does this line up? Living a life of holiness, as First Peter says, if we were to live, if we were to stay on course and follow a life of holiness, then the first thing that we need to do is we need to stay on course by practicing self-control. Self-control. The definition of this is the ability to control oneself, in particular one's emotions and desires or the expressions of them in one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. I want to talk to you about a difficult situation. Each week, um, you know, some of uh, staff, like we go out to eat for lunch like each week. And so it becomes a difficult situation because one of the people that we go out to eat with, every time we go up to the counter, if there is a piece of chocolate cake or carrot cake or some kind of cake up there, he's going to get it. And he's the least of us that needs to get it. But it becomes a very difficult conversation because he goes out and tells everybody that we're the ones that's going to kill him. Because he's picking up the piece of cake. Now, I'm not going to name names, but please pray for John Wolf. <laughs> he really needs it because he's, he's telling everybody that we're going to kill him because he keeps getting the piece of cake. Try to tell him it's self-control. It is your decision what you want to eat. You want to eat it? Eat it. If you don't, don't. Now, me, sweets is not that big of a thing. I can, I can say no to sweets. You put down one, two, three steaks. Hey, why not four? Let's go. You know, let's do that. And I'm not saying that's much better, but hey, I, but we all have the things that we have problems with controlling. You know, this week, like I looked up like self-help books and just try to see like how many like different self-help books that there are out there and, it, and it's, it's mind-boggling because there are help, self-help books on everything uh, about every single part of life uh, from marriage to raising kids to and the ones that really get me is the number of things like you know like four ways to live life better 15 ways to make your life great eight ways to get through the day six ways and I'm like how do they boil everything down to just like numbers you know, like 15 ways, man, I can think of 30 different ways. One of them is not being, like being able to be on a beach somewhere or something like that. That would be a great day, wouldn't it? But they got all these books that all teach you, like these self-help books, like how to be a better you, basically, like, like how to live life to its fullest. And you know what they almost all have in common? Self-control. That's what they almost have all in common. Somewhere in there, they're talking about self-control being able to say no to certain things. A lot of us, we, well, we have a problem saying no. We want to please everybody, so we want to say yes to everybody. But sometimes it comes down to practicing self-control and saying no. Self-control is also one of the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, to 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. As followers of Jesus Christ, we need to practice self-control. We, we need people to understand that we do practice self-control on what we say, what we do, where we go, how we do it, what we consume, those kind of things. We need to practice it because it is one of the fruit of the spirits. If we practice self-control, then we're 
giving evidence of what God has done in us because the fruits of the Spirit isn't leading to salvation. It is a result of salvation. So in those things that we are supposed to show, one of those things is self-control. So if we're not practicing self-control, if people can't notice that we're, practicing, that we're not practicing self-control, then we're not showing evidence of our salvation. And God has called us to do that because he has called us to be uh, set apart from the world. We need to do these things. So how do we practice self-control? I'm so glad you asked. I got four points that I want to cover this morning. See, four points, just like 15 points to do this, three points to do that, eight points to do that. I got four points of my own this morning. So we're going to be talking about those four points this morning. First, the first thing that I want to talk about when it comes to self-control, we, we need to practice it with our mind. We need to practice self-control with our mind. 2 Corinthians 10 to 5 says, We demolish arguments of every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. What this verse is saying here is it is saying that we need to take control over what we think and how we live. Basically, we need to control what we put into our mind. Now, I'll give you an example here. When I was younger, when I was real young, probably too young, you can blame my mom, probably too young, I watched horror movies. I love horror movies. I love being scared. But when I was a kid, I watched them. It had an effect on me. And the effect was, Anytime we went out driving, I was afraid that we would run out of gas. Why? Because in every one of those horror movies, the person that ran out of gas bit it first. I would always ask, do we have enough gas? Son, we got a half a tank. Do we have enough gas? We just filled up. Do we have enough gas? Yes, son, we're going to get the... Do we have enough gas? We're not driving. (laughs) I just wanted to make sure that we had enough gas because... If something happened, man, I wanted to make sure that we can get to wherever we needed to go because I wanted to be safe. And I thought, after watching all those movies, that to be safe, we just needed gas. Just don't run out of gas. But that's what happens, right? That we put all this stuff into us, and then over time, that stuff comes out in some way, some fashion, some form. Now, as kids, man, it is amazing what we, like, misinterpret, isn't it? Like we, like we hear things and we misinterpret them, them, and it's not until years later after a lot of rehab, you know, that we learn like what's actually going on. But, but it is amazing the amount of stuff that we put in, how it comes out. Uh, I used to do uh, programming a lot, and one of the things we used to say is garbage in, garbage out. And so while writing programs and stuff, if you didn't take your time and do it right and you wrote garbage, then garbage came out. Same thing with our trash cans today, right? You go out there and you keep putting garbage into your trash can, no matter how long it sits there, whenever you dump it out, what is it? It's still garbage. It doesn't change. It doesn't change at all. Like, it's still there. Imagine taking a gallon of water and trying to pour it all into a pint glass. No matter how slow you pour it into that pint glass, it's eventually going to overflow. And it's going to spill out everywhere. If we keep pouring into ourselves the stuff that we're not supposed to, what's eventually going to happen? It's going to overflow somehow in some form. And I'm talking about the stuff that we're watching, stuff that we're reading, stuff that, and when I say watching, I don't mean just movies anymore because videos 
you know, those whole 30 second, 60 second videos are things that we consume far more often, I think, than movies. But movies, television shows, videos on the internet, reading posts, uh, doing those kind of things. I mean, take for instance, like the amount of stuff that I get on there, and, and, and I do try my best to like limit how much I get online because it, it, it frustrates me, it, it, it angers me, it boils up stuff in me that I don't want. And then that stuff boils over into other aspects of my life. So I'm like, let's just, let's just cool it for a little while. Let's, let's just limit how much that stuff comes in. Because there is some good stuff that is out there. Some ways that I keep up with other people. And it is good. And it can be used good. But there's a lot of bad stuff out there too. I mean, if we go out there and we're looking for, for hate. And we keep you know, watching these videos and, and listening to these people and reading what they're posting. And if all we're consuming is, is about hate, 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 no matter how, you know, which way that it, it's directed, eventually that's going to boil up in us. We're, we're going to start experiencing that same type of hatred. You know, hatred for, uh, for other people. And we don't need to be watching that stuff. We don't need to be consuming of that. We need to be mindful of that. And if we start to feel that stuff kind of coming up into us, man, we need, to, we need to put it down. We need to turn it off. Go have lunch with a friend. Go, go talk to somebody on the phone. Ha, ha, have a conversation with somebody. You know, do those things. If those things start coming along, like you remember what Joseph did with, with Potiphar's wife whenever she tried to seduce him? He just ran. He ran plumb out of his robe. He's like, man, I know if I stay here one second longer, something bad's going to happen. And he took off, and he just left Potiphar there. Consequences be what they may, I, I, will not, I will not follow into this pit of sin. So did that. So we need to, to protect our minds. We need to be very, very mindful on who we listen to, who we follow, who we watch, those things. Because that seems to be the big thing now. And I'm, I'm going to say over this past year with COVID and those things and us being isolated and not being able to be together more, and relying more on technology to be our way of consuming information, it's hurt a lot of people. It has hurt a lot of people. I mean, we've been removed from each other, which we were not born and not created to be isolated. We were not born and isolated to do that whatsoever. And in that time, man, Satan, he's used his tools. He's used his tools to help influence people he's used his tools to influence them to get them to think different ways to look at things different ways instead of really going out there and like talking with people instead we're absorbing all this stuff and we're actually just taking what somebody else thinks and making it our view we need to be mindful of that the second thing that I want to talk about when we need to practice self-control is with our body. 1 Timothy 4a says, For the training of the body has a limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The first part there is, For the training of the body has a limited benefit. I know for some of you are saying, Now, George, please don't talk about this. I like what I eat. I'm not real happy about my body, but I'm satisfied. Yeah. I want to let you know something right off the bat. God has only given us one of these. That's it. He has, like, this is the only body. 
And I'm not up here to say what you should or shouldn't do or anything like that. I'm saying that there are definitely things you shouldn't and shouldn't do. Okay. Taking our body, taking care of our bodies allows us to feel to to go out and fill the purpose that God has called us to, and that is to teach and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. If we do not take care of our bodies in such a way, we cannot go out and tell other people about Jesus. One of the great things that I got to see over the over the whole snow apocalypse and everything that was going on was the people in this church going out in the midst of that, driving people to work, taking people clothes, helping people fix the problems in their house, taking them wood so they can be warm, you know, helping other people. If, if their bodies were not in a condition to do that, they would not have been able to do that. This is the only body that we get. You know, no matter how many sci-fi movies that there are that talks about changing bodies and all that stuff, it doesn't exist today. God has given us this. We need to take care of it. We use this body to serve others. And trust me, this, this is hard for me too. I'm getting a phone call from God. I hear it. He's already telling me. He's like, I'm trying to tell you, George, like you need to be doing these things. But, man, it is hard. Because for so long, like, we have a habit of doing certain things, and it is hard to break that habit. I don't want to eat the stuff that I, that I should. Some of it I can't even pronounce. Now, that doesn't seem right. Some of it looks way too green. You know, I like it red, and then when it's cooked, it's a little, you know, kind of brown, black, a little bit. And that's kind of how I like it. But I got all working, too, on that. Hey, this is the only one that we get. we got to take care of it. So we move on to the second part of that verse in practicing self-control. And the third thing I want to talk about when it comes to self-control is with our character. The second part of 1 Timothy 4.8 says, But godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now it does say like a disciplined body is of some value. But taking care of our body is not the ultimate goal, okay? It is not something that should take precedence over everything else. Now, taking care of our bodies is important, but what is absolutely important is following God. For instance, when it comes to character, we have to maintain our character, make sure it is, it, it is upright. I mean, whenever that somebody has a good character, man, that's just a good character, yeah. That is just a good character of a woman. I mean, that holds a lot of weight. Whenever you hear those things about people, you automatically have a sense of respect for that person. And that's what we need. When we don't maintain our character, everything can come crumbling and falling down. I mean, take, for instance, like a doctor that goes through med school and, and does all the work and puts in all the time to, to, to become a doctor, to have his own practice and all that, and all that goes along with it. And then, all of a sudden... What comes out is that during this whole time, he was living an immoral life, and he was also drinking all the time and drunk all the time, and that stuff came out, and it just ruined his entire practice, just gone like that. No matter what happened, you know, and yes, we are to forgive, but there are, but there are things that are hard to forget, and his character was destroyed by the bad things that he did. So whenever it comes to our character, we need to make sure that 
that our, our character is upright, that what we are doing is holy and pleasing to God, and that people can't hold, it, uh, can't hold it against us. And that's a tough thing as well in all aspects of our life. We, we need to make sure that, that when we talk, we, we talk with each other with respect. That when we work, that we need to work diligently. That we need to work hard. We need to do the work that we are called to do. When we serve others, we need to serve others with the willingness to serve. We don't need to do it begrudgingly. When we take care of other people, we need to do it because, we have, because that's what God has called us to. And we need to be glad of it. You know, we need to make sure that our work and that our character reflects that of God. And now the last thing that I want to talk about when it comes to self-control is we need to practice self-control with our voice. James 1.26 says, If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, then his religion is useless and he deceives himself. I'm wondering if I should go get a chair and bring it up here and sit down because we may be here for a while. Our voice. Our voice is how we communicate with people. Yes, there are other ways to communicate with body motions and, and reactions and uh, things like that. But when I'm talking about voice, I'm talking about our audible voice, our, our written voice, you know, recordings, things like that. I'm talking about how we communicate. We live in an amazing time. We also live in a scary time. One of the things that's kind of Amazing and scary is that we have the ability for our voice to be heard anywhere around the world at any time, any moment, any hour, any day, whenever. And that voice is recorded. I don't know about you, but there's a whole lot of things like in high school that I'm glad was not recorded or anything like that. You know, thing, things back when growing up that I shouldn't did that I probably shouldn't shouldn't have, that I shouldn't have done you know those things like that but today the generation that's growing up has a tough battle ahead of them because everything that they do is digitally recorded yeah. man just look at how much dirt like our society tries to pull up on other people 30 40 even 50 years ago it is crazy and that's before the time of digital records and they're pulling it up Nowadays, you don't even have to go anywhere. You just go online and you can pull up a history of what somebody did, what somebody said, how somebody reacted. We need to understand that our voice, our voice, it represents us. And that oftentimes it represents more than us. It can represent our family, our friends, our work, our school, and our church. crazy thing about our voice is that when I get on to like social media and things like that, man, I want you to hear me. Like I want you to hear the heart behind this is that we need to know when not to say something. Just because we got something to say or have something to say doesn't mean we should. Something that, that, that I tell my kids oftentimes, there's a time to speak and there's a time not to. When I usually say that, I ended with, and this is one of those times not to. Okay. They'll, we'll be having a discussion, 
you know, and it'll get riled up or something like that. And I'll be back talking or something like that. I'm like, look, right now, there's a time to speak and there's a time not to. You need to learn the difference. My dad used to say, son, you know, when things like that happen in a certain situation, don't say anything. I think I took that too literally because there's a lot of times I don't say anything. (laughs) George, do you have something to say? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. George, you got something to say? Mm -mm. Should say something, but I'm not saying anything because I still hear that voice in the back of my head. Don't say anything. Oftentimes that comes to very good use. Because a lot of times whenever having arguments with somebody and, and you're going back and forth, most of the time he just sit there, the other person and just, you know, run circles around themselves. And at the end of it, you can say, thanks for coming. I'll see you later. <laughs> what, what can they say if you say nothing? Now, this whole thing with, uh, with if, you don't say, if, 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 you say, if you don't say anything, then you're supporting this. I don't agree with that whatsoever. Not whatsoever. For one thing, it is an impossibility for every single person to speak about every single subject that is out there in the world today. There is way too much. We, we can go all over the world because what happens here isn't what's happening all over the world. It's hard. And there are a lot of things that a lot of people are passionate about. But just because you don't say anything doesn't mean that you support a certain side. We need to be careful of our voice and what we say, what we what we post, what we tweet, what we Instagram, and those things. Because those things can, can always come back. People can bring them up. Even if you go back and you delete it, there's this thing called the Wayback Machine that's on the Internet. It records everything that you already did. So if you delete it, they just go back to where it was before deleted, and they just bring it back up. It's a pretty neat little system that they got. But Lord, help us if something gets posted on there. Our voice, and when, whenever that we get on social media and we start talking to other people, and we start having arguments with other people, it, it always like boggles my mind of why are we having an argument with somebody we never even met? We don't even know the person. We've never had any kind of correspondence with the person. And yet, in, in the message that's being given, there is so much hate. For, for, for the person. And, and I don't get it. Why is there hate for somebody you don't even know? Disagree with a policy or something like that? Fine. Disagree. But to, but to have hate for, for, for anybody, uh, we shouldn't have hate at all, but to have hate for somebody you don't even know, never even met. I don't get it. We as Christians shouldn't get it. Because what does the Bible say that if we have a problem with somebody, we need to go to our brother, to our sister. We can't even go to that person because we don't even know who they are. It's just some figure on the Internet, that's a name. We don't even know if that's a real name or not. I mean, come on. Think about this with me. Our voice carries weight. And I'm going to say that our, our voices, man, when we get online and, and, and inside our church, especially, and if there are people with opposing views in our, in our church, and this is all coming out online, come on. Who wants to come visit a church where the people gripe at each other online in public? That's not what we're called to do. 
And most, and the really crazy thing is, is a lot of the arguments happen, and it's over something that's neither right nor wrong. It's just an opinion. It's just, it means nothing at the end of the day. Who cares if the stripe in the road is yellow or white? Well, just as long as you stay on the right side of it. But, you know, whatever the law says, okay? But, I mean, like, it's, it's stuff like that that people get so upset about. You know, we get so upset about certain policies. Why? I, I don't get it. At the end of the day, are they going to change anything? I mean, Congress is still there. They haven't gone anywhere. I mean, if you want change, you're going to have to vote if you want change. But we get upset about the menial things. When what we should get upset about is the people that are, we are losing to the enemy every single day. The people that are falling victim to Satan's lies. That's what we should be getting, that we should be upset about. These are the things that we should be talking about. We should be using our voice to promote God, not to tear down other people. We should be using our voice to encourage other people, not tearing them down. We should be using our voice to help and serve other people, not tearing down other people. We should be using our voice to show the love of Christ, not tearing down other people. Are you getting? Are you, are you there with me? We should be using our voice for that. And if we can't, then we need to be showing some self-control on our voice. What to say, what not to say. There's a time to speak, and there's a time not to. We need to learn the difference. Our second point that we get to as far as living a holy life is we need to stay on course by practicing self-discipline. Now you say, well, self-discipline and self-control are the same thing. Uh, not exactly. Self-control is more about being able to say no. Okay. Self-discipline is about making yourself do the things that need to be done. And when it comes to self-discipline, this is something that, well... I won't say it's more caught than, than, than taught. This is just something that everybody has to make a decision for themselves on what they are going to do. When it comes to self-discipline, an example is, man, for some reason, at this magic age of 18, for some reason, we think that as kids, that as they have grown up and gone through all the years of being told when to get up, when to go to bed, when to go to school, when to come home, when to do homework, when to eat, when to sleep, when, when, when to drive, when not to drive, where to go, whose house, can you, whose house can you sleep over, what clothes do you wear, when you take a shower, please tell your kids to take a shower, when they take a shower, or all these other things. We tell them these things all throughout their life, and for some reason at 18, it's just like, okay, you got it, you're on your own now. And we wonder why some kids, like, Go crazy or like, I don't know what to do. Because at this point, self-discipline hasn't been, now, ha hasn't been an option or they haven't taken it upon themselves. Now, discipline has been there because if they didn't do what, we were supposed to, what they were supposed to do, we took away their car. 
We took away their phone. We took away their privileges to, to go anywhere. We did those things to discipline them, and I guess in hopes of teaching them self-discipline. But at some point in our lives, in every one of our lives, we have to choose to be self-disciplined. We have to choose you know, where we work, how we work, the money that we get, how much money we get, what to spend it on, what not to spend it on. Those kind of things. Another crazy thing about being 18 is what the, is what the, government, des- is what the government decides is okay for kids. At the magic age of 18, we can now buy, buy spray paint. Yes, spray paint. <laughs> I don't get it. You know, why, why 18? But you can vote, which is cool. You get to do those things. Uh, you get to do a lot of other things when, uh, whenever you're 18. You get to sue somebody. If you're 18, you get to actually file a suit against somebody if you want to. I don't know if that's cool or not, but you're able to do that. At 18, you can, you can now rent your own room at a hotel. Some hotels, some hotels still count for 21. However, if you're 18, you still can't rent a car because that requires you to be 25. I don't know how car dealerships came up with the magic number 25, but they did. You've got to be 25 to rent a car. Just a side note that when I got married, I just turned 25, so luckily I could rent a car. <laughs> Otherwise, we would have been walking on a honeymoon. <laughs> uh, but 18, you can sign contracts. You can donate blood without, without parental permission. You can get a tattoo. I'm not advocating for tattoos. You can buy a lottery ticket, too. All these things are magical at the age of 18. You can do it. Why? Because at the age of 18, everybody becomes self-disciplined, and they, can, and they know exactly what to do. But when it comes to our real life, our Christian life, we have to practice self-discipline. We've got to be different than other people. Why? Because God calls us to be different. Because if we aren't self-disciplined, then we're going to miss out on a whole lot of stuff. One thing is, if we aren't self-disciplined, we're not going to come to worship services. Right? Right now, man, this crowd looks great because it's been, it's been a long time, uh, over a year, since we've had people come out to our worship services. And I'm going to say that man, it, it's going to be even harder once we're open up completely, whenever that time comes. Uh, it's going to be harder for some people to come back in. Why? Because we've got out of it. But it's going to require self-discipline to get back into it, self-discipline to come to worship services. We've also got to have self-discipline to pray. Because there's nobody going to be telling me when to pray or how many hours that I should pray. There's also nobody telling me to invite my neighbors to church. There's also nobody telling me how I should give to the Lord. There's also nobody telling me what shows that I should watch or not watch. There's nobody telling me to visit those who are sick or help take care of them. There's only one thing that's going to keep us doing that, and that's our self-discipline. Nobody can make us do anything that we don't want to do. We have to choose to do it. As Christians, there are three areas that we need to practice self-discipline in. These are your areas that you've heard of before, and I'm going to briefly go through these. Number one, our giving. We, we need to practice self-discipline in our giving. Hebrews 13, 16 says, don't neglect, <clears throat> don't neglect to do what is good and to share for God, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. We can also see in 1 Peter 4, 10, based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. 
Basically, we need to give of our time, our talents, and our treasure. You know, one of the things about time is we all have the same amount like each day. You know, obviously, like as individuals, you know, we don't all live to be the same age. But time is one of those high-valued high commodities. Nobody gets more, nobody gets less in a day. It's the same amount of time, 24 hours. That's it. We all get that. So when we give of our time, and we are giving something valuable. It is valuable to give time. So we need to do that. Our talents, man, each of us, we have a gift. We have a talent. We know how to do certain things. We, we, know, we know these things to do and, and how to do them. We need to use those to help serve other people. I had a person once say, man, like, I don't know what to do. And, and, and another person said, well, if you don't know what to do in church, man, you can start attending committees. Like, what am I going to do on a committee? Just sit there. He kept sitting in every single committee, and, and eventually it's like, man, this, this guy's really involved. He's really in there. He became respected, and, and then he figured out, man, I can, I can be in that committee. I can just pray. Maybe I don't have a part, but I can pray for them. And he did, became part. We all have a talent, whatever that is, and we need to give. And, in, and as our treasures, our treasures is one of the most contested topics in churches, it seems like. You know, churches, that's all they talk about is giving. We don't we talk about giving all the time here but giving is a very important part of being a Christian it's something that we need to practice self-discipline with because when we give to God we're saying God I'm I'm giving back to you a portion of what you've given us and I'm going to and I'm going to live on this part God you take this and 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 and, and bless others with it knowing that we also give to each other as each other has need and we give to each other so that's a discipline that we need to do. That's something that we need to practice. The second thing that I want to talk about is with our growing. Practice with our growing. First, Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and the day of eternity. Amen. We need to grow in the likeness of Jesus. We need to spend time with God. That means reading God's Word, studying God's Word, praying to God. We also need to spend time with other people with God, just like here this morning. We need to attend worship services, whether here or online. We need to be with other people however that we can be. We need to be part of life teams. This is how we build up with each other, life teams. Man, we need to grow together, you know, help support one another. Bible studies, however it is, whatever it is, we need to keep growing in our knowledge and love of Jesus Christ. And the last thing that we need to practice our, in our discipline is with our, with our going. Give, grow, go. These are the things that we need to be self-disciplined in. In our going, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. That go there, as we go, I'm talking about as we go, wherever it is, when you exit these doors here, that's the harvest field. That's the field that we need to be going to. That's the field that we need to be going and teaching, teaching the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to be going. And as we go, we need to tell others, whether it is at work, at school, 
at home, in our neighborhoods, with our friends, with our family. We need to be teaching that. And these are the disciplines that we need in the, in the Christian life. Give, grow, go. And I want to say that there's one more that's not going to be up on the screen. You can write it down. To make all these work, we need to be disciplined with our priorities. If we don't make God a priority, none of this stuff makes any difference at all. God needs to be our priority in every aspect of our life from self-control to self-discipline. If we're looking for society to be our God, to be our priority and what, on how we should be self-controlled and how we are being self-disciplined, we are not walking the walk that God has called us to do. As the worship team comes out, I want to end with this. For us to be able to stay on course, we first have to know the course. We have to be able to get onto the course. And how do we do that? We come to getting on the course by having a knowledge of Jesus Christ, having a relationship with Him. And we do that simply by confessing to Him that He is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I believe on Him, and I repent of the sins that I have committed. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, if you've never had that relationship with him, ever experienced that moment, there's going to be some prayer partners down here, and they're going to be standing up front. You can come talk with them. I'm going to be down here myself. So you come and you talk to, to one of us, and we will be glad to let you know about the power of Jesus Christ and the love that he has for you. So as the worship team plays this morning, you, we're going to have a time of invitation. You can come down to the front. You can pray. And just have that time with God or you, can, or you can pray where you are. Whatever it is, I just pray that this morning, that when you leave here, you understand these two things that we need to do to follow Jesus to the utmost. Be self-controlled and be self-disciplined. With that, let's all stand.